From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. While some backbenchers doubt that Gladys Liu can stay in Parliament, Scott Morrison has given her his full support. At the same time, he is in the difficult position of attempting to capitalise on ICAC while voting against a Federal Integrity Commission. Paul Bongiorno on the foreign influence scandals currently engulfing Canberra. Hello. Hi, Paul. How are you? Yeah, good. <laughs> Paul, Parliament is sitting again this week and there's been a lot of attention directed at Victorian MP Gladys Liu. Who is she? Gladys Liu is the Liberal member for Chisholm. She's the first Chinese-born member of the House of Representatives. Now, Chisholm's an interesting electorate. 17% of the electorate are Chinese-born. And Liu's Labor opponent, Jennifer Yang, is also ethnic Chinese. Paul Bongiorno is a columnist for the Saturday paper and a 30-year veteran of the Canberra Press Gallery. Her win was very exciting for the Liberals because they thought they were going to lose it, and she won in a very tight race. I love Chisholm. How good is Gladys Lou? She's awesome. She's so awesome. So there was controversy over election signage that was in Mandarin and which appeared to be from the Australian Electoral Commission, but which was telling voters the correct way to vote was by putting one next to her name. It's also interesting to note she's aligned with the conservative right of the party in Victoria. She's worked for Michael Suka, the member for Deakin. During the election, she was forced to distance herself from comments she made against safe schools, saying Chinese people come to Australia because they want good things for their next generation. Not to be destroyed. Uh, they use the word destroyed uh, by these sort of um, uh, concepts of uh, same-sex, transgender... Uh, and uh, intersection, intergender, uh, cross-gender and all this rubbish. Lou initially denied that the comments reflected her views, but when a tape emerged, she pulled out of media interviews. So why all the attention on her this week? She's in the news because uh, she was named as a member of the Guangdong Overseas Exchange Association, an organisation linked to United Front and to the Chinese Communist Party's attempts to influence foreign governments. And there was a car crash interview with Andrew Bolt during the week. Gladys, thank you so much for your time. Can I just start, were you on the committee of two chapters of the China Overseas Exchange Association. Liu said she couldn't remember if she was a member, but later confirmed she was. Tellingly, she'd not checked with the Prime Minister's office before doing the interview, and I'm told she's in Canberra without any staff at all. Bolt asked Liu if she was on the committee of an organisation linked to China's foreign interference operations, and he was incredulous when she answered that she couldn't remember. How can you not recall a membership of 12 years? I mean, we've just shown your name listed there. Well, I can tell you that I have never been a member of this council and, um, yeah, it can happen. Uh, they can put your name there without your no knowledge. OK. Three times she failed to state the government's position on the South China Sea and she defended Xi Jinping from Bolt's accusations he was a dictator. Well, the interview ended with Bolt asking if she was a spokesperson for the Chinese government. China. Gladys Liu, so, um, are, you a, are, you a, are you, in effect, 
a spokesman for the Chinese Communist regime in Australia? Uh, the uh, simple answer is no. Um, Davis I, Lu, I, as I thank said, you so uh, much indeed for your time. And what happens when an interview goes out like this? Does everybody in the government watch it and then formulate an idea about how to respond? Well, I don't know whether everybody watched it live, as it were, but they certainly got to watch it when they heard uh, what had happened. Andrew Bolt is a, quite a militant conservative commentator. Malcolm Turnbull once said with friends like Bolt, you don't need enemies. But uh, next day, with the help of the Prime Minister's office, Lou tidied up her act in a statement, which she put out on Twitter. Uh, so far, we haven't heard her come into the Parliament and make a statement, and people are wondering why not. There's a difference between saying something on Twitter and saying something in Parliament because it's a very grave offence if you mislead the Parliament. Anyway, she now remembered belonging to a Chinese government organisation, but she didn't throw any real light on whether she shared its purpose of influencing foreign governments. Just uh, something there, the Chinese Communist Party, particularly with the arrival of Xi Jinping at the top, has upped its efforts to get people of Chinese ethnic origin to become very active in the politics of democracies like ours. They're far more advanced uh, in Canada, but they're also trying it in the United States and in the United Kingdom. On Wednesday, Speaker Tony Smith ruled out four Labor questions about Lou. He said they're out of order. Now, Smith was well aware that the opposition was flouting standing orders to capitalise on Lou's situation. Still, when questions are ruled out of order and the government doesn't give answers, it looked like Lou was being protected. Of course, that wouldn't have been lost on Labor. Now, one question went directly to a Herald Sun report that said the Liberal Party returned $300,000 in donations from dinner guests associated with Lou because of security concerns. Now, Lou told Bolt the story was made up. Shadow Attorney General Mark Dreyfus asked Morrison, is she correct? Well, we may never know. Labor, of course, is asking for reassurance from the Prime Minister that Lou is a fit and proper person to be in the Parliament. A question asked and not answered. It didn't help matters that late in the week, it was revealed that when he was Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull was warned by ASIO not to attend a Chinese New Year meet and greet organised by Lou because of security concerns about the guest list. Lou says people should stop seeing, quote, everything I do through the lens of my birthplace. Paul, I mean, I know it's an outside chance, but if there is the chance that Gladys Liu is going to be asked to step down, that's going to have huge implications for the government. That's right, Elizabeth. The government will do everything in its power to hang on to Gladys Liu because it has a working majority of one on the floor of the House. If Liu is forced to quit and there's a by-election, the Liberal coalition government could be plunged into minority. There's pessimism on the government backbench about it. Some think that uh, there is no option but for her to quit. Is there just a possibility here that she's kind of got freshman jitters and she doesn't know how to handle this kind of scrutiny? That's a very kind view of it. She's not one of the biggest fundraiser in the Victorian division of the Liberal Party for nothing. We'll be right back. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, 
summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, Gladys Liu has created difficult headlines for the coalition this week, but the Labor Party is also dealing with its own Chinese donations scandal in New South Wales after extensive ICAC proceedings. Has Morrison been able to capitalise on that? Yeah, well, the Prime Minister delighted an auditorium full of Liberal Party delegates last weekend when he said, none of us in this room are surprised with what's come out of ICAC, the revelations of the Labor Party receiving $100,000 in cash from a banned property developer have already cost the state Labor Party boss her job. On Tuesday, with the protection of Parliament, a fired-up Morrison rejected Labor leader Anthony Albanese's attack on Energy Minister Angus Taylor. He said Albanese had a desk in the headquarters of a party that, quote, stinks of corruption. But the Liberal Party and the National Party will not be lectured by someone who used to work in the New South Wales branch of the Labor Party. He said the Labor leader is presiding over a party that is chaos and confusion and even corruption. As we see it every single day in the Independent Commission Against Corruption, which has your State Secretary right under their gaze. Well, Albanese jumped up and reminded the Prime Minister that 10 New South Wales Liberal MPs, including two ministers, had to resign after ICAC found they had accepted donations from banned developer donors. In New South Wales, it's a state law. Developers are banned from giving donations to political parties and candidates. Anyway, it seems, Elizabeth, some never learn. The Daily Telegraph revealed on Wednesday that a Chinese property developer, Ming Sheng, a business partner of State Liberal Minister John Sedoti, donated $1,750 to the MP at a fundraising dinner. Those allegations have not been picked up by ICAC so far, and there are reports on Thursday that the State Liberals in New South Wales have given the money back. So this is complicated because the coalition are trying to land a blow on Labor, but at the same time, they're fending off attempts to create an anti-corruption body. Yeah, indeed. This is not a very good look and the Liberals so far haven't woken up to it. This week, the Morrison government, in fact, voted 10 times in the Senate and the House against integrity and accountability. Not only did they vote against a Green's bill to set up a strong independent National Integrity Commission... That bill won the numbers in the Senate with Labor, the Greens and other members of the crossbench voting for it. When it came down to the House of Representatives, the Liberals, the government, applied the gag and sent the bill off to the never-never. Attorney General Porter told Parliament he needs another 12 months to refine his model, which, if it's the same model the Liberals took to the election campaign, will be a toothless and invisible watchdog. So what is it that the government is doing instead? What's their strategy this week? 
Well, Elizabeth, it's uh, applying a time-honoured tactic of shouting, look over there. When you're being mugged by an uncomfortable reality, um, you try to set up a diversion. So it bowled up to Parliament, a debate where the old Conservative staples of union bashing and welfare baiting dominate. And what about this reintroduction of a bill on mandatory jail terms for child sex offenders? Yes, this is the most blatant example. The last parliament, uh, in fact, rejected the idea. Many in the legal profession are appalled by it, but some of uh, Labor's caucus fear that if Labor rejects the bill, they'll hand the government a very big stick. There are concerns shared by the Law Council of Australia and Liberal backbencher Russell Broadbent. Broadbent fronted Christian Porter when the Attorney General briefed a backbench committee on Monday night. The backbencher believes mandatory sentencing interferes with the separation of powers and takes away important judicial discretion. Well, Porter scarcely concealed his political intent, slapping down Broadbent for sharing the same views as Dreyfus. And Paul, kind of to step back for a second, how do you think Porter's thought to be going as Attorney General? within the government? Well, it's clear that Scott Morrison thinks a lot of him because he's given him not only the AG's role with things like coming up with some sort of integrity commission, but he's also made him the Minister for Industrial Relations. There's a lot of pressure on the Morrison government to shrug off the reluctance to go hard on industrial relations. This term, they're trying it on again, and Port has been given the job of placating the Liberals' big backers, particularly in business and industry, to take on the unions. Now, Porter is very quick-witted. He has that lean and hungry look. No one doubts that he has ambitions to lead the Liberals one day, and it will depend very much on how he carries out the very hard tasks he's been given by Morrison that will either add or detract to his leadership credentials. And all this, I guess, Paul, I mean, speaking about all these other issues, things like mandatory sentencing, things like... Well, drug testing for people on Newstart. I suppose it allows the government to speak about things other than the economy. Well, that's right. This week, um, we've had further uh, evidence of business confidence slumping. This was uh, the claim that if you vote Liberal, you'll get a strong economy because we know how to manage it. If you vote Labor, you'll get a weak one. Well, on their watch so far, and by so far, I don't only mean since the election, I mean in the past six years, instead of seeing a strengthening economy, we've seen a weakening one. When you think about it, the promise of a strong economy was the core promise of the Liberals at the last election. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. 
Elsewhere in the news, on Thursday afternoon, the area in front of Victoria's Parliament House was evacuated after a man parked his station wagon near the entrance and attempted to set himself on fire. He was arrested a short time later after police broke the windows to his car and removed him from the vehicle. He was later taken to hospital without signs of injury. And the UK government has published a secret document that outlines the, quote, reasonable worst-case assumptions of a no-deal Brexit after MPs voted to make it public. It details the risks of a Brexit going ahead without a deal having been negotiated with the EU. These include extensive delays at British ports, drug shortages, increases in livestock disease and higher electricity prices. The six-page document is dated August 2 and was published after a parliamentary motion passed on Monday. A number of related documents were supplied to Cabinet but were not released publicly. 7am is produced by Emile Klein, Ruby Schwartz and Atticus Basto with Michelle Macklem. Eric Jensen is our editor. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. Please consider subscribing to the show for your favourite podcast app or even better, leave us a review if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. See you next week. <laughs>